chair. Could you come join me for just a second? Thank you. Three weeks ago, the team for the, the colors for the praise team was blue and orange. And on Sunday morning, we got to come together and celebrate Auburn's victory. <laughs> today, I'd like for y'all to see the colors. Who should we celebrate today? Mm, go dogs! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's just celebrate Jesus. That's right. We like that. Oh, life is fun. Marsha, I understand that you cannot pick the colors for the last weeks of November next year. <laughs> Marsha picks what the praise team colors coordinate, and without any knowledge, she picked blue and orange three weeks ago, and today she picked red and black. So that's why she's fired, according to Auburn fans. <laughs> Georgia fans, they keep going. Oh, we get to come into the Christmas season. I love Christmas. I love what it represents. I love what it allows us to do. But I also know for many that Christmas is not the big woohoo. For many, Christmas is the time that you remember uh, or you've, you're reminded that you're alone, you're reminded of hurt. And for many, Christmas is also the season that they really do ask, is Jesus real? Is this thing that so many people celebrate, is it a historical, actual, divine event, or is it another thing made up by man to, to appease his inner self? Is it something that's made up by retail to, to rescue the, the financial year? Well, I want to propose to you that it is real. I want to propose to you that it is historical. I want to propose to you that it is divine. And I want to propose to you this morning that it is absolutely the only truth. You see, Jesus himself, speaking of himself, said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So when he made that statement of no man comes to the Father but by me, he left any doubt about where we should stand on who he is and the miracle birth that he had. Because he really leaves us, and I, I, I love what the one writer said, um, Josh McDowell, I believe it was, he said that, that Jesus leaves us only three options. He is a liar, he is a lunatic, or he truly is the Lord of the universe. And when we look at the, the history, when we look at the facts, when we look at the reports, we can eliminate liar, we eliminate lunatic, and then that tells us we must worship Him this morning as the Lord. You see, at Christmas we see a little baby lying in a manger. And we ooh and we coo. But the scripture says that that little baby that chose to allow himself to be helpless was holding the universe together. So we're going to learn about him. And we're going to learn about him in progression, if you will. We're going to learn about him through the people who were there. We're going to call it the characters of Christmas. We're going to learn about the people or the, the, the individuals that God invited to this divine moment. Today we're going to look at Christmas 
through the eyes of Joseph. And the reason I want us to look at it through characters is I do want us to know the narrative. I want us to be familiar with the story. I want us to know when someone says, who was Joseph, that we could say, oh, he was this and oh, he did that. But I also want us to look at it from the perspective of when I am faced with situations similar. None of, the, none of us will face the situation exactly. But when we are faced with situations similar, what can we learn from the life of the character of Christmas to apply to our lives that will help us to do what they did? You remember the passage that said that they would see my good works and glorify my Father who is in heaven? Because we will find ourselves in moments of challenge, in moments of doubt, in moments of dilemma, in moments where the facts are overwhelming and fate has to step in so that we can live out life. So take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at Matthew 1, 1 to Matthew 1, 25. Now, I'm going to give you the cliff notes on 1 through 17. There's three things that happen. In the first one, they give you the first 14 generations that are leading to Christ. In the second scene, they're giving you the second 14 generations that lead up to Christ. And in the third scene, they're giving you the next 14 generations that lead up to the birth and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go and you read that genealogy, it's a, it's a who's who. And it's a, also a, a who is who. We don't know them. But some of them are very familiar, very famous. You'll find the name of people that you recognize. And you go, oh, wow, I didn't know. But when we pick it up in verse 18, actually, let's go to 17 just to get there. It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. So they said, everything that we've said is going to happen has happened through these generations now. Because all that's fulfilled, and because all of that's done, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Now that tells me it was an event, right? Because it says, now this birth happened this way. After his mother Mary was betrothed, now, that's a, that's a cute word, means engaged to, said, I want to marry you, will you marry me? In her culture and in his culture, it meant that mom and dad found another person and said, that's who you're going to marry. So, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, now that means before they came together in a sexual relationship, before they had the ability to procreate. So, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That means it's something that's never happened before. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. 
But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that we will allow this word to, to permeate our ears, <laughs> that it will occupy our mind, that it will saturate our hearts, that it will transform our behavior. God, you took the, the time. You provided the way to present your Son, to preserve this Word, and to provide salvation for us. So Lord, if you went to all of that, you don't want us to take it lightly. So grab hold of us today. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, immediately, immediately in this process, we see that Joseph's life is turned upside down. The first time that he's ever mentioned to us. We see him in a dilemma. We see him in a situation that is distressing to him. And we see him in his worst moment. His life unfolding. We see his behavior. And we see his decision. I don't know about you, but I would not want my life unfolded exactly like Joseph's is right now. But yet, because he chose to be a servant of God, allowed his life to be opened up, we get to learn. So he is here. His life is in a dilemma. At first sight, this, seems to, this scene to me seems to be a little bit confusing. In verse 18, it tells me he was betrothed to Mary. In verse 19, it tells me that he's divorcing her. And you say, how do you know that? It says, put her away silently. If you take the original language, you go from engagement to divorce, and you say, wait a minute, where's the marriage? But yet if I keep on reading, it says that then, in verse 20, she has called his wife. Now for us, in a Western culture, in a Western way of thinking, that would not make sense to us. Because we go from engagement to wedding to divorce. 
they're going from engagement to divorce to wife. So what's the first thing that we need to understand? Well, we would understand, first of all, that it's a three-part process in the culture that Mary and Joseph were living. First of all, there was this engagement. It was the contractual stage. It's where the parents looked, and Cher looked back at Roger and said, Hey, Roger, I've got a daughter. I've seen your son. I think he's pretty cool. How about let's us get him married? Roger says, What you got? And she says, I don't know, but let's think about it. And then they agree, and the kids have no vote. So it's there. It's a contract. Gail and I have a friend from India. The culture is still to this day that way. And his mama chose his wife. Seems weird to me. But as the father of a daughter, I'm thinking it's not altogether bad. (laughs) So we've got this. We've got the engagement. Now, then we've got the betrothal. It would be a year-long period, and it was a binding contract that could only be dissolved by what we know as a divorce. And then there was the marriage. The couple was already bound together morally and legally, but they could not have physical sexual relations until after that wedding moment. So they had all the responsibilities without the benefits. That's where it goes. And that's how they were living in this time. That's why verse 18 is clear in saying, before they came together. Now Joseph has been delivered this news. Hey Joe, that girl, the fair-haired maiden, the one that everybody's oohing and on over, i got to drop something on you. She's with child. Now Joseph does not, is not privy to all that we know at this moment. All he knows is that this person that he loves, that he thinks that he's going to spend the rest of his life with, is, is with child. So you know where his mind is going because he knows where he hasn't been. So he's asking these questions. He's living in this dilemma. He's living in this moment of of fear and frustration. And Joseph, as we read this, began to understand something, that he's got some choices. I suppose he could marry her, just keep on going. He's not there. So then he checks out his options. He has the option to kill her by law. He could call her before the council and he could say, we're betrothed, we haven't known each other physically, she's pregnant, it's a humiliation to me and my honor and my family and what we stand for, let's take her life. They would take her into the town, they would pick up rocks, they would aim, step, throw, they would begin to throw the rocks at her and they could take her life and he could go home and live on his life. He could disgrace her but not kill her they would bring her have you ever read the scarlet letter they could put her on the in the center of town and go that's her wretched woman and everybody would go ooh boo ah or he could quietly put her away 
Now, the scripture says that, that Joseph was a just man. And even in the moment of his greatest hurt, in the moment of his greatest disappointment, he looks at option one and says, can't do it. He looks at option two and says, won't do it. And of the options that were before him, he made the righteous choice. He quietly, in his heart, purposed to put her away. In verse 19, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, between verse 19 and verse 20, Joseph's tired. Joseph said, it's been a long day. Because verse 20 tells us that he was taking a nap. Look, go back to verse 20. It says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He's sitting there. He's reflecting. He's, he's gone to sleep. It's a different word than vision, so we know it was a dream. So he's got a dream. And it says in the middle of the dream in verse 20. Saying Joseph son of David. Do not be afraid. To take to you Mary your wife. For that which is conceived in her. Is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 goes on to read. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now let me say, first of all, it was not uncommon in Bible times for a man or a person, an individual, to be communicated with from God by dreams. And you say, well, why? Well, they didn't have what we have, the written word to reveal who God is. And they did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit. So when God wanted to visit and when God wanted to encounter them, He would come and He would speak to them through prophets and He would speak to them through dreams. So now God has come to him through the person or the, through the presence of an angel and He's spoken to him and says, Behold, do not be afraid. This thing that you are trying to decide about what to do is not an act of immorality or disgrace, but it is actually a divine moment provided by God to fulfill, he's going to see, things that were foretold long before. Matthew gives the explanation in verse 22. He says to him, this is where you are. This is how it happened. Now let me tell you, why it happened. Look at verse 22. So, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin's going to have a child. He said, I know right now you're sitting in the squirmy seat. You're sitting in the seat that's uncomfortable. You're sitting in the seat that makes no sense. You're sitting in the seat where people are looking and ooing and eyeing, and people are pointing their finger and nobody believes that you're innocent here. <laughs> he said, but I did this 
so that everybody will know that what Isaiah said back there is the truth. Well, being a righteous man, this had to get his attention. This had to wake him up. And I love that word, fulfill. Matthew's going to use it 15 times. He says, I'm using this word, fulfill, so that people will know that I am God. Because listen to me, every prophecy of God is also a promise that that prophecy will come true. Every prophecy is a promise that that prophecy will come true. Now Joseph had to make a decision. Was he going to trust God? Was he going to hear what's being rumored by the well? Is he going to listen to what the people are saying? Is he going to, to believe what his mind is telling him? You see, because history tells us that in the middle of this story and all that's going on, that there were three prominent rumors going around. The first one was that Joseph and Mary were fornicators. That they came together sexually before the marriage was to be consummated. The second rumor going around was that Mary unknown to Joseph was fooling around. And the third rumor that was going around, remember she lived in occupied land. She was being overseen by the Roman government and the Roman government was powerful and the Roman government was vile and so that she was raped by a Roman soldier. Those are all the things that that while he's got this word from the Lord that says this is a righteous thing, he's got all these things in his head that says this is a raunchy thing. Now, he's in the middle of that, and he's got to come up with a decision. And though we don't read about it, you know that he is probably about to pull his hair out. People are pointing. People are gossiping. But then verse 24 tells us, Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord instructed him. Now what I'd like for us to do is we have the story. Now let's see if we can dig out the application. Um, the first thing that we look at is Joseph's dilemma. So every one of you, as a follower of Christ, as a child of God, you're going to have a moment of dilemma. You're going to have that moment. Do I believe the Word of God? Do I believe what it says? Do I believe the truth of, of, of it? Do I believe what the Holy Spirit is impressing upon me? Or do I act out of my own frustration or my own embarrassment or my own self-desire? You're going to have that dilemma. It's going to be there. Because we know that because if we flipped over to the book of Ephesians, when it talks about spiritual warfare, 
it says that we are to do everything we can to stand. And then when we've done everything that we can to stand, then we actually do stand. And, it's, and why does it tell us that? Because it says, when the evil day will come. In other words, when that day comes, when that moment in your life in, comes and you're at a crossroads, a decision and a dilemma, will I follow God? Will I be the righteous man, the righteous woman? Or will I follow this? Or will I believe the lie? Or will I be tricked by Satan? It says, when the evil day comes, stand. You're going to have the dilemma. So this morning, say with me, I will face a dilemma. We know that. God wonderfully went ahead and said it so that when it happened, we would not be surprised. Joseph's in his dilemma. Joseph is there. And in the middle of the dilemma, Joseph has a conflict. The conflict is fact versus faith or faith versus fact. You follow me? He's got the faith element that came to him in a dream. I mean, was it the baklava or was it God himself speaking? Who was talking in this moment? Faith. Fact. This person that he's in a legal binding contract with is pregnant. He knows that he is not physically the father. He's a just man. He has some convictions. He, in the middle of not sure what's going on, he, he decides to, to quietly put her away. And then he has the conflict of law versus love. He knew. He knew his options. He knew what he could do. Is he going to break it off? I have to tell you, when you do Google searches for things like break off an engagement or something like that, you can find some really crazy things. So, a few, several years back, because she's passed away now, Dear Abby, everybody know who Dear Abby is? She had a column and people wrote in for questions. And this one lady wrote in to Dear Abby, Dear Abby, I've been dating this man for several years. Two days before the wedding, I find out he has a wooden leg. Should I break it off? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I know she meant the engagement, but it made me LOL. All right, so <laughs> oh, Joseph has to be wondering. Should I break off this engagement? He decides to take what we will call the the private legal action and not humiliate Mary publicly. If you're facing a dilemma today, can I tell you to let the first thing you do be to seek God? Or even if you're not ready to seek God, if God decides to step into your life like He did Joseph's life unexpectedly, don't immediately just write God off. Take time to ponder these things in your heart. Listen to God. God still does miracles. 
God still saves people. God still transforms lives. God still does things that are overwhelming. If your story today is that you were not Joseph and you made the wrong choice. You chose the path of a sinful way or you, or you chose the, the way not to do something. Can I tell you because God made his choice and Joseph made his choice and a Savior was born that no matter where you are today and no matter what your past looks like, that God says that if we will repent, we just listen to the sermon. You repent and faith. You turn away from and you turn to. And you believe that Jesus did what he said he would do. If you believe he was the Christ, the Son of God, the one who came to save us from our sins. Today, your story cannot be changed back here. But from here forward, you can begin to write a new ending. David said it, God, if you'll cleanse me from my sin, I confess to you what I've done. I repent from what I've done. God, if you'll cleanse me from my sin, I will speak of you and people will turn to you. You can be different. But it takes a life of Joseph. Of saying, God, I take you at your word and I follow you with my heart. Joseph has a dilemma his dilemma leads to a conflict, faith versus fact, law versus love. And in the middle, did you hear it? The righteous man was pondering, considering. The righteous man was considering. What does the scripture say? If you seek me... You will find me. And who is me? Me is Jesus. And who is Jesus? He is the way. He is the truth. So if you seek me, if the righteous man seeks me, the righteous man finds me. And when the righteous man finds him, the righteous man finds truth. And in the middle of him in his dilemma, in his darkest moment, in his moment that is, his world has not just blown apart, but it's, can I tell y'all what my mama did? We're sitting with my mama, speaking of blown apart. We're sitting with my mama, with my whole family, my children and um, in-laws and girlfriends. And my mom looks at us and says, have they caught who blew up the Georgia Dome yet? I'm like, girl, what are you talking about? <laughs> she just knew that ISIS had done come to Atlanta and blown up the Georgia Dome, and she wanted to know if they'd been caught. All right, that has nothing to do with this message, but everything to do with life with my mom. Um, so, Joseph, in the middle of his stuff, he's pondering these things. He's a righteous man. And as a righteous man, God says, if you'll seek truth, you'll find truth. I am truth. And he found God. God came and spoke to him in that moment. Can I tell you that today God wants to speak to you? You say, I can't hear him. There's too much noise. Keep on seeking. Keep on searching. Keep on listening. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that when the temptation to disbelieve or the 
temptation to go a different direction, when the temptation to, to follow something other than God comes into your life, if you will seek Him, you will find Him. And when you seek Him, He says that He will provide the way of escape. God steps into this man's life and speaks. And He chose to speak through a dream. And let's read the dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Now, don't read over that word son of David too lightly. Because the righteous man who was a Jewish man who was steeped in all the things would have known that there was a lineage. We get to read it, but he knew it. He knew there was a lineage. And when he said, Son of David, he's reminding him of the words that he spoke to the forefathers. That out of this line will come the one who will rescue the people. So it's just a little that comes in and says, Joseph, then the line of David, the one that the prophecy was spoken through and about, Remember who you are. Remember this. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Huh. Do you, can you imagine that when the dots start connecting? I'm Joseph. I'm in the line of David. And the prophet said that somebody in the line of David. Or that Mary's in the line of David. That kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm going, I may have just jumbled something. But stay with me for just a minute. Joseph, son of David, line of David. I spoke through the prophets. And actually, I spoke through Isaiah. It says, Behold, a virgin will bear a son. And he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. So the dots are beginning to connect on him. He is going, he's got it in front of him. And now in the middle of his dream, he's got a decision. And verse 24 says that when he woke up from his dream, that he decided and I want to tell you this morning this is the importance of decisions this is the importance of you when you have the dilemma when you're seeking the Lord and you come to law versus love and faith versus fact it's where you must make the decision and the decisions define your destiny It says, Behold, she'll, and you'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us at the end of verse 23. And then in verse 24, Then Joseph being awakened from his sleep, did. The man of faith, the righteous man, who is pondering his life. You see, if he'd been an emotional man, Mary probably would have been killed. 
If he had been an emotional man, Mary would have at least been publicly humiliated. But the, the, the thoughtful man, the righteous man, the man that says, I'm going to see how this thing plays out, makes in his options the most godly choice. And when he made the best choice that was in front of him, God stepped into that situation and said, here is the better choice, the best choice. You see, because I really believe if he had chose option one and option two, we wouldn't even get to understand that he would have had a chance to choose option three because in one, Mary would have been dead. Number two, he would have gone so far publicly he couldn't have come back. So God speaks, and because he had pondered and because he had been patient, God steps in and says, you made the best choice you had, now I'm going to give you the best of the best, the better choice infinity. And it says he did. He did it. Now because he had pondered back there, he knew kind of what was going to play out. He knew what was going to happen. There were going to be the points. There were going to be the talks. There were going to be the conversations. But he feared God more than he feared man. And he stood up and he said, I'm going to follow. And what did he decide? First of all, he decided to live in the will of God. He decided he would be faithful. He didn't worry about custom or what people would think. He decided to endure the hostility. He decided to abandon everything else and take God at his word. In faith and in obedience, he takes Mary as his wife. Some of us in this room today are sitting in here in the position of the one who has done wrong. Some of us in this room today are sitting in the position of those who have been wronged. My question to you this morning is whether you're the doer or the one that it was done to. Will you decide today to make the choice to seek the Lord? And in what's in front of you, will you... With the options that are in front of you, will you make the choice that's the most honoring to God? And in the middle of making the choice that's the most honoring to God, will you then still even give Him permission to say, God, and even that you can interrupt, even that you can, you can wipe out, even that you can do something else, God, because what I want today, whether I'm the one that did it or I'm the one that it was done to, I want your name to be glorified. Joseph decided to live in the will of God at the expense of personal loss. He could have walked away. There were still other available young women in the city. And he would have probably been more desirable because he was still more honorable than he was when it even started. But he endured. He decided to live in the will of God. But you see, 
even deciding to live in the will of God was not all that he did. And was not even his best choice. Or his final choice or his greatest choice. Because you see, deciding to do something that God's pleased by apart from Christ is good work or is works, and works without faith is dead. It's, it's just an act. But look at it. It says that he not only decides to live in the will of God, but he decides to link his life with the Son of God. And you say, oh, you're stretching. No, I'm not. Because what did the angel tell him to do? It was two things, right? The first thing the angel told him to do was marry Mary. And so he married Mary. The second thing that God told him to do was name a child. Right? And who named the child? It says that he named the child. Anybody can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. And Joseph walked into the room and said, Jesus, your daddy is in the house. I have given you this name. Everywhere you go, they will know that you are Jesus, the earthly son of Joseph. Because I'm not ashamed of you. You're my child. But interestingly enough, if you read this account in the book of Luke, it says that Mary named Jesus. So that means that he didn't just say to her, Look, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to let you have honor. You're going to be my wife. But now don't talk to me. Just get on the other side of the house and don't ever come in the room. That does happen. But they sat down together. And they had conversation. And she said something like, Hey, Mary. What you going to name that pretty little baby? And she echoed back, I think I'll call him Jesus. And he said, let's do it. Let's name the baby Jesus. You see, so in your life, you're going to face dilemmas. And in the dilemma that you face, you're going to have decisions. And you're decision starting point is are you going to seek God or are you going to become one that does not seek God Joseph decided to do the righteous thing and as a righteous man doing the righteous thing God stepped into his life and he said and here's the God thing I want you to do marry the lady and name the baby be his dad and in your life When you make that decision, you're saying, God, I will live in your will, but in the, not only in living in your will, I want to link myself to you forever and ever. Amen. He agreed to be his father. He linked himself with Christ. You cannot go wrong when you choose Jesus. You cannot go wrong when you link yourself with Christ. 
And you see, everybody in this room today will make that decision. That's what amazes me. Is that it is a one-time decision for Him to be my Savior. It is a moment-by-moment decision for Him to be my Lord. And so every one of us today will make the decision, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And in this moment, what are you choosing to do? Man, I have seen people make the Jesus choice. And and you would say, oh, they made the Jesus choice and it's just roses and golden streets. No, not always. Sometimes it is hard and sometimes it is painful. And sometimes that person may never see the glory of God or the wonder of God till they get to heaven. But God is a constant note taker. God is a constant rewarder of those who seek Him. And if you have been wrong, to the one that was wrong today, choose Jesus. If you have been the one that was wrong today, choose Jesus. You can't go wrong. Joseph had to endure some things. But he took the name of Jesus with him. Would you link with Christ today? Would you come to Jesus as Savior? Would you come to Jesus and let Him be Lord? And I love it when God brings a story to current day, to current moment, to my life right now. 